Welcome to Entrepreneurs Go, a new podcast for SME owners, property developers, and entrepreneurs. In this special series, we talk to a number of inspiring guests on everything you have and haven't considered about running a business, the challenges you could face, the solutions you might need, and anything else you need to know about investing in yourself. Entrepreneurs Go, brought to you by The Letting People, a landlord's best investment. Visit thelettingpeople.org. Allow a proper amount of time for the deal to happen. Be prepared to be engaged in the process. In my career, I've bought and sold eight businesses, and I've also seen three other deals fall through. In my experience, it's a process that's not for the faint-hearted, but the potential rewards can propel an entrepreneur to the next level. My guest today is a man who has kept me calm through my last three deals. He's a solicitor who for many years has specialised in buying and selling companies. So he's well placed to talk us through the process, the preparation that's needed and the challenges that you can face. Welcome from Cool Beavis, Ishmael Groves. Hello, Alan. Hello. Nice to be with you. Well, nice of you to uh, to join us um, uh, as well. Um, so, you know, I mentioned earlier on, Ishmael, that um, buying and selling a company can be a difficult process. And you've always been a rather calming influence in the deals that we've worked on together. And, uh, and I have always appreciated that. However, with so much at stake and emotions and, dare I say, egos inevitably playing in their part, you must have had your moments or, you know, when uh, when you've just wanted to scream it was certainly uh you know um there are frustrations which are you know arise as you uh, work your way through this you know these deals um however as you touched upon i mean it, you know it's important to try and uh you know remain calm you know take a step back um so probably some of my most frustrating uh, moments arise while sort of trying to you know negotiate the some of the more complex documentation with lawyers acting for the other side you know you, you, you try and sort of remain balanced you know you try and keep in mind that uh you know they're only trying to do their best you know for their client as just as you know as you were trying to do your your best for, you, for your clients so yeah it's uh it's all too easy in such circumstances to sort of keep bouncing documentation back and forth whereas uh, you know i find that uh, often you know a, a phone call although it seems simple a phone call to you know whoever's on the other side can prove really, really helpful. That's interesting because I, that sort of flashes me back really to a couple of my deals, and 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 there's definitely a case where sometimes the buyer or the seller needs to take that legal advice, but then make a commercial decision, don't they? Um, in some ways, because obviously lawyers will always take the safest route. Yes, I mean you you know you get different approaches, but uh, yeah, you, you you do get uh, you, you know you tend to get lawyers who are sort of sort of risk averse it's, i suppose it's in our in our in our in our in our nature however you know you often find if you know if you, if you, if you just speak to speak to the other side you know try and try and put yourself in their position and try and you know take on board what their what their concerns are uh, and at the same time try and impress upon them what your concerns are hopefully you know with a bit of with a bit of sensible dialogue you know and and providing of course you're dealing with someone sort of reasonable and pragmatic on the other side um, it's you know it's usually possible to work through these sorts of issues and and come up with with compromises that that both sides can live with. And I guess uh, a good relationship between the two principles and some trust is is a key part of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and no, I mean it's, it's one of the it's, it's one of the first things I try and do with any new transaction is pick up the phone to uh, you know whoever my counterpart is and try and sort of 
generate some some rapport. Um, it's you know it, it can be you know more difficult just to sort of argue with the sake of it with someone that you've you know generated you know some some goodwill with if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So let's start at the beginning, if we may. Um, uh, I believe there are two main approaches to buying and selling a company, an asset sale and a share sale. Can you explain to us the main differences and, and, and the sort of the pros and cons for, for both? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, um, there, are, there, are, there are two main, main ways in which these sorts of transactions can proceed. An asset sale essentially involves selling the, the goodwill and other assets of the business as a as a going concern, and 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 this means transferring each of those assets from from the seller to to the buyer. Whereas uh, with a share sale, uh, the entity which owns all of the business and assets is sold, which means that you know only the shares in the company, uh, you know, which which carries on the business are, are transferred. I mean, that probably probably makes a, a a share sale sound like the sort of easier option if you like if you like however with a with a with a share sale because you're selling the company you know as it is warts and all as it were it's transferred with all of its obligations and liabilities and uh, this means that you know the due diligence process tends to be more in depth and the documentation tends to be uh, you know more 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 complex whereas i suppose if you if you contrast that with a with an asset sale the buyer can to to some extent sort of cherry pick those those assets they they want, and they can leave the seller with any with any unwanted liabilities for the seller to sort of deal with in the in, in, in sort of due course. This means uh, you know the buyer does not necessarily need the same sort of level of, of protection under the sale documents as they would um, with a with a share sale. That said, um, as all of the assets have to then be individually transferred with an asset sale, the the practical process can be uh, you know quite demanding, particularly where there are important uh, contracts which have to be, you know, transferred from the seller to the to, to the buyer, such as with employee contracts, for example, where there's a, a, a particular sort of regulatory process you have to go through. I was just going to say because obviously that's also where your accountant comes in, isn't it? Because there are there may be benefits, um, you know. Clearly, an asset sale is, is quicker and probably cheaper from a transaction point of view, potentially. But of course, there are other benefits and obligations from a financial point of view um, that, that that may influence which one you go for, of course. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, by and large, you, you, you tend to find that that share sales are more are more sort of appealing to sellers because they, they, they can then sort of s- sell the whole whole sort of shooting match. Uh, you know, in, in one go, and, and whereas asset sales tend to be more desirable from a from a buyer's perspective. But but you know, on top of all of those things, um, the tax treatment from a seller for, for a seller on a, sh- a sale of shares can be significantly uh, better than with an asset sale. And so, you know, uh, as you say, you know, in, t- in taking you know appropriate tax advice from your accountant, usually a seller will find that uh, the, that a, a, a share sale is is uh, is better from their from their perspective. Okay, great. Well, now, one of my early lessons um, learned was that the process of buying a business is not a short one. Um, Indeed, my second deal um, resulted in me having to delay a family holiday. Quite frankly, it was only the fear of divorce that stopped that holiday being delayed a second time. Uh, So so how long should a deal take and and what are the key factors in making sure that you get a, a reasonably smooth and quick transaction, Ishmael? 
Yeah. Uh, well, well, funny enough, I've, I've also had one or two holidays um, <laughs> affected by these sorts of transactions. That that sort of that yeah that sort of come, come, comes with the territory. Um, t- typically, you would say sort of eight to twelve weeks to complete a transaction once the the heads of terms have been agreed. It, it, it can take more time than that, um, but it can take less. You know, I've had uh, you know some transactions we've managed to get over the line within as little as sort of three to four weeks, but there are also those which can which can run on, you know, a lot, a lot longer. There are various reasons why a, a, a transaction can be delayed, but pr- probably the most common is is where something is discovered by the buyer during the during the due diligence process, which 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 then needs needs fixing. This can uh, particularly be the case where where the matter requires the involvement of a third party who has nothing to gain from the from the transaction. Uh, an example of this might be where, you know, a, a, a buyer discovers an issue with one of the leases of the premises or something like that of the business, um, which needs a, a, you know, a landlord's input to, you know, to put right whether, you know, your transaction, you know, proceeds and keeps to the, to, to the uh, proposed timetable or not is of no consequence to the landlord. And so you're sort of, to some extent, you can find yourself at, at sort of the mercy of these third parties uh, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, d- due to these sorts of so, you know these sorts of things that can arise. You know, you, uh, time can be saved if the seller has managed to get its its house in order, uh, as it were, uh, before proceeding with the sale. Another way, I suppose, in which uh, you can try and keep the transaction as smooth as possible is, you know, if you if 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 right at the outset, when uh, you know agreeing the the heads of terms, um, if they can be sort of properly fleshed out, there will hopefully you know be less negotiation on. On the sort of the key issues as the process then gets underway, and so you can you can hopefully save 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 time like that. You know where where heads of terms are uh, are too brief, and this can of course leave lots of matters open to argument, which then that can take up time, and also of course it can uh, increase cost. I think I'm going to pull a question forward, if that's okay, Ishmael, because what you've just mm. said there is quite interesting, and 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 um, I wanted to talk later on about selling a company, but um, but it's probably relevant right here now because if someone's dreaming of selling up and uh, moving to that villa and uh, Marbella, uh, you know, tr- preparation is is really is key, and as you said, it's it's kind of preempting for a smooth transition. Now, I've read in some books that um, they say that sellers should be preparing to sell their company for years ahead of actually doing it i mean you know that preparation and trying to foresee problems before they happen probably is very very key isn't it it, it, it is it is uh yeah i mean where where a seller has his house in order before proceeding with the transaction then absolutely you can you can find that the transaction runs more, much more smoothly i mean typically this would involve uh, the seller essentially uh, carrying out something of a sort of an internal due diligence exercise, whereby they, you know, review all of the those matters and documents a, a, a buyer is likely to be interested in, um, and then take any corrective action that's that's needed when these sort of issues are are, are discovered. Now, this can be quite a time-consuming and sometimes sort of costly process, but uh, it should result in a more sort of marketable business and hopefully reduce the chances a, a buyer will discover issues which. Which give it an opportunity to chip away at the at the purchase price. I think the key thing uh, with this sort of process is, is sort of objectivity, um, uh, and, and this is where engaging some external advisors, such as lawyers or and accountants, can be can be useful. As you can find sometimes that the, the, the sellers struggle to you know to be critical of their own businesses, and you you know you'll hear them say, "Oh no, there's no 
no issues with my business, all, all very clean and what have you. But actually, when you start to drill down into the detail, there are, uh, you know, there are some 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 issues which they 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 wouldn't have identified themselves. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the process um, a little bit, if we can. As I recall, it goes heads of terms, due diligence, and SBA. But um, that almost sounds too simple. <laughs> Have I got it right? <laughs> Am I missing something? No, no, no I think you, you are. No, no, you're. I think you're essentially correct. No, although each of these stages is 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 likely to be very involved. That you know, uh, it sounds quite simple. That, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, that that is essentially correct. I suppose the only other stage which which uh, which also tends to consume quite quite a lot of time is the is the disclosure process. Yeah, I mean, if we if we look at it each in turn, I suppose we we start with the heads of terms which are it's essentially a, a non-binding document which sets out the key terms of the transaction um, such as the price uh, what is what is being sold whether assets or shares um, together with other sort of important aspects to touch upon the previous question the sorts of elements which might be overlooked but which are important are matters such as security for deferred payments uh, for example uh, it's quite quite often something that gets overlooked in heads of terms where you know the buyer and the seller may, for example, have agreed uh, that some of the purchase price uh, will be payable after after completion. You know, uh, perhaps much later. Sometimes, you know, one or two years is not not uncommon, and this might be adjusted based on future performance of the business, often referred to as a as an earnout. However, this can mean that the buyer owes what can be quite a large sum of money to the seller for a considerable period of time. Uh, and so, one of the things which can be overlooked is is security for this debt, whether by way of a legal charge, guarantee, a payment in escrow, or something something similar like you know like that. Once the heads of terms are agreed, the buyer will start their sort of investigations into the process, into the business, uh, you know, uh, known as due diligence, as you mentioned, or oh. or the DD process. Yes, you gasp. You you say those words, and you uh, you know a cold yeah. shiver goes down my spine. Ishmael, stop it. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, that really is um, where the devil is clearly in the detail. And um, but talk about you know talk us through that process because it's it's a it's a it's a chunky piece of work in my experience. And um, and uh, but it of course is vital for both parties. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, the due diligence process. You know, you're absolutely right. It's uh, it's 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 vitally important. Typically, uh, it takes the form of uh, a, a series of, of 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 lists of inquiries from the buyer to the seller. Each one uh, targeted at a, a different aspect of the business. So you'll have one for legal, uh, one for tax and accounting, that sort of thing. It's, it's then down to the seller with uh, assistance from their professional advisors, you know, such as the lawyers and accountants, um, to produce replies to those uh, inquiries and supply copies of any relevant documents. Uh, nowadays, DD process tends to all be done by uh, electronic means, uh, using a, what we call a, a, a virtual data room. This is really just a, a, a portal, if you like, uh, hosted via the internet where the seller can upload the replies and documents and then the buyer and you know and its advisors can 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 review them. I mean, we, we, what sort of I suspect exacerbates you is that it's not unusual for there to be sort of successive rounds of due diligence um, as the buyer starts to discover more about the business and then uh, tries to flesh out the detail with further lists of DD inquiries and those further lists you can you can end up with multiple lots of of these things it can be 
you know frustrating from a seller's perspective as they seem to be having to supply you know ever 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 greater greater amounts of information however uh, this also usually forms the basis of uh, of the disclosure process and so it is typically to the seller's in, you know benefit to to give you know full and frank and honest honest information yeah i mean let's talk about disclosure because i guess well i was going to mention that that, that process of replying to due diligence rather is an important one because um you know you you tend to get a, an awful lot of questions and volumes and you do need to record what replies you've you've given for potential comeback reasons later on but um but also you know talk to us about the disclosure process and why that's so important ishmael yeah so um essentially the the, the 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 sale and purchase agreement or the SPA as you as you would you know would call it has multiple elements to it um, and, but one of the one of the one of the, the largest elements to it are other 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 warranties uh, which is essentially uh, a, a series of, of statements of fact that the that the seller is required to confirm as as, as true um, and if it turns out that any of those statements are are not true, and the and the, the the buyer suffers any loss as a consequence of, of that not uh, being true, then then the seller can face a a claim for for, for breach of, of warranty. Disclosure then sort of forms the the the, the converse of, of of that, if you like. So 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 you've got all of these statements, and then a, a, a seller then has the opportunity to disclose information against those statements. And to the extent that those that that information shows those statements to be untrue, then you then reduce the opportunity for the buyer to bring a to bring a warranty claim. Okay, okay. And so the SBA is very much the that that last part of the the, the process. Is there any anything else in that SBA that um, that tends to be um, contentious? I mean, obviously, I presume they can take many different forms. Um, an SBA. The, the, the SBA is sort of the, the main contractual document to be entered into between the buyer and the seller, you know, and it sort of d- details all of the all of the main terms and conditions that uh, that deal with the with the transaction. They are fairly complex documents, um, and certainly on, on larger transactions, it's not unusual for them to be over a hundred pages in, in 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 length. They break down into sort of sections. The the, the first uh, sort of sort of chunk of the document deals with what we I suppose what we call the operative provisions that is you know, details of what is being sold uh, you know what the price is how you know what they, there's a there's an adjustment mechanism for the price that sort of thing any conditions which which have to be met in order for completion to occur and then typically uh, although not exclusively but typically you tend to then get a sort of a series of schedules to the SPA which would deal with various different aspects uh, you know you'll get one or two schedules which deal with completion requirements and that sort of thing, details of the company that's being sold in the case of a share sale, details of the sellers, that sort of thing. Perhaps if there are property aspects, you might get a, a, a property schedule. Um, but then you also get schedules, you'll get a, a you know a, a warranty schedule, which, which will contain typically general, general warranties which uh, apply to the business generally. Uh, you know, so warranties perhaps around the employees or the contracts it's entered into, that sort of thing, and then tax warranties as well. But um, yeah, and, and on top of that, uh, you might also get a, a tax covenant, uh, which might be its own own schedule dealing with you know, which essentially seeks to apportion tax risk between the buyer and the seller. And then on, you know, you may also get some schedules which deal with whatever uh, price adjustment mechanism may have been agreed so you know that there might have been a uh, an adjustment mechanism based on 
uh, the value of the net assets, in which case you need some completion accounts and that sort of thing, and that'll be that'll form part of one of the schedules. Or I think as one of, as one of the things you touched upon, uh, you might have agreed an earn out, and so you'll need provisions for the for the uh, for the earn out, whether they're sort of accounting principles or the formula, that, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I mean, overall, the SPA, you know, it ends up as quite a sort of a a, a, ch- a chunky document, quite complex, but uh, yeah. they tend to they tend to follow more or less the same format, although you do get you do get deviations from time to time. Yeah, cool. Well, let's break off for a minute, Ishmael, if we can, we can find out a little bit more about you, actually. But um, so, okay. can you tell us a bit about your backstory, how you ended up in this uh, in this particular sector? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I suppose my backstory. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sort of a, a local lad, um, born and bred in Brighton and Hove. I, I actually started my working life uh, in, in in retail management in in Hove uh, before then deciding to to go off to law school in my in my early twenties. I studied locally, so I, I studied at Sussex University. Then went off to the uh, to Guildford College of Law before getting a, a training contract to train as a solicitor at a firm in Brighton. I then uh, qualified in around two thousand and eight, if memory serves, before moving in around twenty thirteen to. My uh, my current firm uh, in 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 Worthing. My my current firm actually being you know, being a product of a of a of a, of a merger a, f- a few years back, um, which created Call Call Beavis and and essentially uh, came about from the merger of a firm based in Worthing and Horsham with a with a firm that was based in in in, in Brighton and Hove. Ever ever since qualifying in two thousand and eight, I've always done what we call in the sector uh, corporate commercial. Um, this includes you know, most aspects of commercial work, such as drafting contracts, shareholders agreements, partnership agreements, that sort of thing, but also um, mergers and acquisitions, which deals with the, you know, the buying and selling of, of, um, of businesses and companies. Yeah, I mean, the, the work can be, you know, fairly pressurised, but it's, 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 it's very interesting work. You know, every deal is different, you know. You, you don't get bored doing what I do. You, no, I, I can imagine. And actually, I've just had a flashback. You mentioned that you took some deals away on holiday with your delayed holidays, but uh, I think one of one of mine you actually uh, did did that. So um, yeah, uh, apologies. I'm, I'm a, no, not at, I, as I said, it comes to the territory. I'm a, yeah, I'm afraid so. It was well, one of yours was was one of those. Of those uh, we, yeah. if I recall, we 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 sort of got there in the end. I think that's the we uh, did. The... Yeah, we did, and I think you got some hol- <laughs> some holiday, but um, yeah, not quite. Yeah. That's planned, yeah. Um, an understanding partner, uh, I think you have, uh, fortunately. So uh... I do, fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just go back on and touch back on money because we did touch about uh, on 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 it, um, but I just wanted to go back to it because we talked about earnouts, which you know um, I have to say have worked very well for me, as I've as I've said, really. Um, you know, um, particularly tying in that real talent that you're buying into the business. Often, you know, what, what are you buying in a business? Often, you are buying, you know, um, a, a talent and experience. But but um, how many? You know, how often? How how likely is it, Ishmael, that that you're not going to get a chunk of your money at, at day one? I mean, the majority of deals yeah. deferred in terms of payment. Uh, yeah, I mean it's yeah, I mean from yeah, of course from a, a seller's perspective, getting paid in full on completion is the most desirable option. But it's 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 quite common for a buyer to want uh, some comfort, you know, by 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 way of holding back some of the purchase price in order to set off any um, liabilities which might arise in respect of a breach of warranty, for example, or a, or a claim under the under tax covenant. Um, in terms of a in terms of a percentage, I, su- I suppose it's probably probably more common than not that there's that there's 
that there's uh, there's some money held held back. Not to mention, of course, the you know the purchase price might be based on on matters which are not entirely known, uh, you know, at, at completion. So, for example, you know, if the purchase price is to be set by reference to the value of the net assets, for example, um, then it will, you know, there'll be a period of time after completion for completion accounts to be agreed or or determined. And in, the, in the, these sorts of circumstances, the buyer would typically pay an amount on completion on account of uh, the purchase price. And then a, a balancing payment will need to be made once the final figures are, are known. And that can be, you know, some months some months later, but in a, um, there are also instances where where some of the purchase price is based on on the future performance of the business, um, typically known as a as an earnout. Um, with these, there may be a, a a formula based on profits or earnings of the business, something like this, um, over a set period of time, and this would be determined by reference to a, a, a you know a particular uh, set of accounts. And and, and so, say there's twenty percent that's um, held back just for the sake of an example. What what, what happens to that money, man? Where does it sit? And 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 if the seller um, is or the buyer is looking to claim back any money, how does that process work? Yeah, there there are, there are a couple of different ways. So you, you you might just have a what we call uh, you know deferred consideration. So, so that is where the buyer just just doesn't it, it, they don't pay all of the purchase price on completion so they, they just hold some of the some of the money back in in those circumstances then uh, of course it will be necessary once whatever process whatever adjustments have have, have played out for the uh, the buyer to pay that to the seller and you know a, a, a seller may, may may look for some 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 comfort on you know on that score perhaps by way of security or or, or something like this. And another option, you know, which can be employed is is by way of use of, a, of an escrow account, which is where the balancing payment, or or, or at least a, a large portion of it, is 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 paid essentially to a sort of an independent third party, or you know, to to hold on to whilst these other factors play out. Um, at the end of which, uh, it'd be for that third party to then pay out whichever party is 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 due the money, whether it be you know buyer or or, or seller, and there's, there are various provisions which have some of which have to go into the SPA, but there would also be detailed instruction uh, letters to go to the escrow agent in order to so that they know under what circumstances they're to they're to pay money out. Okay, okay. So and now for some of my deals, I've approached companies. Um, I've wanted to buy, or I've had an introduction made, but I've also bought through broker sites and had agents involved. What what kind of role does a broker and an agent play? And 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 well, you know, they sometimes can take quite quite a hefty cut. So what do they do for the money, <laughs> other than advertise it? And uh, what process do they do they make here? What part do they play, Ishmael? Yeah, yeah. So uh, well, that, 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 I mean that, that that is their main role. So the main role for a broker is to is to, is is to find a buyer and agree the structure for the deal, really. This typically, you, you know, that, that 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 will start with the broker investigating the business which is to be sold and putting together a sort of a uh, what they call an, an information memorandum or an, or an IM. You sometimes hear it called, which is essentially a, a marketing brochure for, for want of a better word for the business and gives details of the business and certain pieces of financial information that sort of thing. Then, of course, they they then move on to to actually looking for a buyer to find a, someone to to buy the business. I mean that they probably employ a variety of methods, uh, you know, to do that. Uh, some of them will have particular contacts in particular industries that they can speak to in order to try and find a buyer. 
they might use more 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 obvious means such as you know marketing by the business via the internet or by marketing emails that sort of thing or the other you know the other key key way which i've seen employed a number of times is is uh, rather perhaps rather cheaply they'll they'll they'll, they'll obtain uh, details of prospective purchases from from the seller themselves and then their role will then be be uh, become you know trying to broker a deal with you know between the between the two two parties once once a once a broker has you know managed to agree uh, the sort of structure and main terms of a deal they tend to be quite heavily involved in producing the heads of terms that's not unusual at all and by and large what you tend to find are brokers have have something of a finance or or, or accountancy type background so they can be they can be quite useful uh, in terms of agreeing whatever adjustment mechanisms that they you know there are going to be you know with regard to the purchase price after that they sort of so it's it's sort of very very front-ended for them i think for the broker once they've sort of put the deal together it really i think becomes more of a sort of a a management sort of type role where they sort of they they they, they i think sort of trying to get involved in terms of keeping the process on track and moving along in a timely manner sort of you know chasing up people where need where need be and that sort of thing um although they can also be useful where where you know perhaps if an issue arises that the buyer discovers as part of their due diligence uh, investigations a broker can be useful in terms of sort of renegotiating uh, you know the terms or finding solutions to to the, to that sort of that sort of thing so i mean there, there are some very good uh, brokers out there notwithstanding that they can be a, a bit pricey that you can find that they're a very you know valuable addition to the uh, to the to the team so now, um, summary question really from me. Um, you know, if somebody's listening here to um, to this podcast and they're thinking of buying or selling a business, what are the uh, what are your top three tips really? Do you think um, in terms of um, the process? Yeah. So um, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, the the, uh, the first of my tips would be to you know to take specialist legal and accounting advice, uh, and and in my view, the the earlier the better. You, you do sometimes see that people will have launched into agreeing heads of terms and what have you, and then they go and engage their their professional advisors, and their professional advisors then sort of then sort of look at them and say, well, what, you know, you know, what about this, and you know, why have you agreed that? And you're sort of at that point, you're sort of almost viewed as sort of backtracking. So so it it, it can be better to, to sort of take uh, take 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 some early early advice because you'll 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 reap the benefits further down the road. The next tip, I suppose, is really, uh, you know, allow allow a proper amount of time for the for the for the for the deal to happen. You know, there is, uh, it's I think it's it's quite easy, particularly if you're a bit sort of inexperienced or a bit you're, you're a bit green at, at you know at, at these transactions to sort of underestimate how much how much work goes into uh, buying or or selling a business. And so, you know, often, uh, you know, they think, oh, you know, well, let's 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 agree to complete at the end of the month, sort of thing, give you three or four weeks, and that. That you know, whereas you know that that, that can involve uh, such an enormous amount of work, uh, you know, that it's 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 very easy to you know for um, for people to underestimate it. And my, my my final tip really sort of sort of partly touches on the on the previous one in in, in that you, you you sometimes find particularly if, if someone's a bit green that they don't realise the extent to which they're going to have to be engaged in the process. And so I suppose my third tip is be prepared to be engaged in the process. O- often you know you'll talk to you know uh, someone who's who's thinking about buying or selling a, a business and they've, they've never done it before and in in their mind they'll they'll think of it very much like a 
like a conveyance like, that, you, that you would have with a, with a, with a property, for example. So mo most people have had some experience of buying or selling a house or a flat or something like that. And they think buying or selling a company is going to be, is going to be very similar to that. And, and then they, they realize it's, it's not. And, the, and, the, and the, I think the main thing is really that when, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you buy a, you know, a, a property, what tends to happen is you go and engage your solicitor fill in a few forms and they then by and large they go they they get on with it and other than perhaps sending you one or things one or two things to sign and one or two reports they might send you to read it's a reasonably sort of passive uh you know affair whereas whereas buying or selling a, a, a business both the the buyer and the seller are you know have to have to be involved you know sort of at the coal face i'm afraid throughout i'm sure you can you can uh, you 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 have got experience of that yourself, Alan. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And of course, you know, there's the added complication, isn't there, Ishmael? Because you know, there's only one or two people in the company that are involved in in the purchase or the sale because confidentiality yep. works into it. And then, of course, you've still got to keep running that business, haven't you? I mean, I've been yeah, buying, yeah. being buying businesses that you know you can see them tailing off, and you're worried as a buyer that they're tailing off. And you know, some of the reason they're tailing off is because the amount of work that you know has been involved in the last couple of months for that principal person who drives that business of course oh, oh, oh absolutely i mean this this again touches on my previous point around allowing plenty of time because if you are running the business but also having to get in you know heavily involved in finding replies to, to the you know the, uh, the due diligence inquiries and that sort of thing you can find you know that clients will get quite frustrated because they're saying well i'm trying to run a business here and they say well you know this is the this is the sort of the time frame that's, that you've agreed. Um, and in order to meet that time frame, you know, there's a certain amount of input that you're going to have to have to give. I, I, I have also, funny enough, I have seen one one deal in my career where where after uh, the, the the terms of the deal were, were 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 agreed and the process got underway, the seller completely sort of dropped the ball in terms of running the business. And I, I was acting for buyer on that one, and uh, the process took a few months to get through the. You know, negotiating the SPA due diligence, what have you, and then right at the eleventh hour, um, my client then visited their premises to have a look at what had been going on, and the the whole business had 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 nosedived, and and essentially the seller had, it was almost as if, the seller in 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 their mind felt that they completed at the at the point at which they agreed the heads of terms, and just essentially just just walked out and just left the place, and it just nosedived, and and my my client ended up withdrawing. Uh, yeah, it's mm. very, very sad. But yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, so as I said, you yeah, mustn't under underestimate how much how much time and effort these these sorts of transactions take. Yeah, no, absolutely. OK, great. Well, look, we're going to put your um, contact details in the um, in the show notes. But um, how should someone contact and what's the first stage, Ishmael, um, if somebody said, right, I'm going to sell my business. I need some expert advice. Um, you know, is there an initial meeting that's um, that, that you offer or how does it work? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, we we you know, I I can I can be uh, got hold of either via our, our website or uh, you know, all through our you know uh, switchboard. We can put we well, can put those on the um, certainly put those on the on the on the show notes. That's for sure. But it's it's called yeah. Beavis, and you're based in the in the Worthing office. Is that right? That, that, that that's right. Yes, it's it's uh, it's uh, call, call call Beavis dot com c w o l e b e v i s dot com our uh, switchboard numbers and my my direct dial number are all on the website. Um, yeah, as I said, we've we've got we've got various offices around the county, but um, but I'm 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 based out of Worthing. Other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm always very very happy to have a an initial chat uh, with someone who's thinking about buying or selling a business um, in order to sort of steer them in the right direction. Brilliant. Well, I I, I um. 
I wish anybody well who's uh, in, embarking on this process because as we I think we've made clear along um, along the way it's um, it is a complex uh, process and I certainly from my experience having worked with probably three or four different um, um, lawyers in the in the past around this area I would thoroughly recommend your services um, you've always made it well, that's um, very kind you've always made it seem very um, well explain things very simply which is the, the way I like to do business so um, uh, and, and that's right. not not easy in a complex uh, area that's that's for sure. So, um, so thank you. No, no, that's very kind of you to say. It's very kind of you indeed. Well, Ishmael, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking to you again. And um, and um, I'm sure you're in for a, a busy, uh, busy rest of the year. And um, I wish you well. Entrepreneurs Go, brought to you by The Letting People, a landlord's best investment. Visit thelettingpeople.org.